have your Bibles with you. We're going to be in uh, the book of John. We are starting a new series, Wednesday night series tonight. I believe it's going to be a blessing to you uh, on worship. And the next three Wednesday nights, uh, your student pastors are going to bring a word on worship to you. Uh, and I think uh, it's going to be really good what God uh, does in and through this. So tonight we're going to be in the book of John, chapter 4, the gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. If you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. It's on the screen for you, New Living Translation. If you will, hop up and stand with me for just a moment for the reading of the Word of God. Then we're going to pray, and I want you to help me uh, preach and teach tonight. Amen. Let's read. The Word said, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. Everybody shout now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I want to talk to us for a few moments tonight on the subject of true worship. If you will, pray with me one more time. Father, once again, we thank you for your presence. We thank you now for your word. God, I ask that you would anoint every ear in this room or online to hear your word tonight. Anoint every heart to receive your word. And God, I ask you to speak into our Spirit, speak into our minds and our hearts tonight, God, and let us have a revelation of what true worship is all about. We'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for what you're going to do in and through your word in advance. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. I'm not going to be very long, I don't think, tonight. And uh, I, I, by the end of the service, it's my prayer that we'll all be in this altar or somewhere in this room worshiping. Because I, it's my prayer that during this series, God will give us a revelation of what true worship is all about. The entire series is not going to be called True Worship. Everybody will have their own uh, sermon title that they bring to you. But I want to share with you what the Lord has given me this evening. First of all, can I tell you that worship isn't a plan and it isn't a performance. It is not merely the time that we spend or even have spent in the last few moments singing in church. What worship is, worship is a heartfelt response to our awesome God, to our Lord and Savior, to Jehovah Jireh, our provider, to Jehovah Rapha, our healer, to Jehovah Nisi, our banner of victory. Worship is not a feeling. Can I hear an amen? Worship is a choice and a decision that we make. In today's culture, when we talk about worship, when we use the word worship, there's a lot of things that come to mind. When you hear somebody say, maybe about a particular church, they have great worship or the worship was great. The majority of the time, what they're talking about is the atmosphere. The majority of the time, they're talking about the atmosphere of the worship service. Now, I'm not against creating an atmosphere for worship. I think if you attend church here, you know that all too well. As a matter of fact, I believe that it's our due diligence as church leaders to create an atmosphere in which worship becomes natural for the believer. I believe that's our due diligence. However, worship is never about the atmosphere. Worship is never about the atmosphere. Yes, the sound, the lighting, the media presentation, 
the instrumental and the vocal performances can all enhance the atmosphere of worship, but they do not define what true worship is. They can all enhance the worship service, but they do not define what true worship is. See, I'm going to preach a little bit tonight because if you can only worship when they sing your style of music, then it's not true worship. If you can only worship when the lights are off or if you can only worship when all the lights are on, then it's not true worship. If you can only worship when the sound is good and when the vocalists and the musicians are on point, then that's not true worship. If you can only worship when all the other worshipers, listen to me young people and older people alike, if you can only worship when all the other worshipers are your age, when they all look like you, when they all act like you, if you can only worship when you're in what you feel is your comfort zone and your comfortable community, then guess what? That's not true worship. All of those things are elements of the atmosphere. But true worship is not about the atmosphere. True worship changes the atmosphere. Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 34. I'm going to read these quickly. One day, Paul said, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Now, let's stop right there for just a moment. This was a slave girl who had a spirit that wasn't of God, that had enslaved her, and it enabled her to tell the future. But yet, this evil spirit was following around the true men of God and declaring that these men are the servants of the Most High God. And they've come to tell you how to be saved. I thought about that. And if you heard what Brother Moxley said this past weekend, you think, why would they have been calling out the true people of God and saying these, are, these men are servants of the Most High God? You know why? Because that spirit that was on her is the same spirit that's on a kisser, but not on a clinger. Somebody say, amen. She was just kissing. Oh, they're, oh, they're wonderful. Oh, they're, you know what somebody in ministry told me a long time ago, and I found it to be a fact. Beware, son, is what this minister said, of those who build you up the highest. Because those who build you up the highest will tear you down the fastest. That's a spirit that's not of God. Let's go on. Verse 18. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and he said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered, so they grabbed Paul and Silas because of what they've done, and they dragged them by the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city was in an uproar because of these Jews. They shouted to the city officials, they're teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. And a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. The city officials ordered them uh, stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them in the inner dungeon, remember that, and clamped their feet in stocks. And around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. 
Did you hear what they had just gone through? Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly, say suddenly, suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself. We are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and ran to the dungeon, and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And watch what he said. Then he brought them out and asked them, Sirs, what do I got to do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them and he ate. Uh, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. True worship changes the atmosphere. Think about the atmosphere that Paul and Silas were given. They were arrested for doing what was right. Then they were beaten, and they were placed in stocks, and then they were imprisoned. In the dungeon, the word said, the darkest part of the prison, the atmosphere around them. They were doing the work of the Lord and then the next thing they knew, the atmosphere all around them had drastically changed. They didn't feel as good as they felt just a little while earlier. They couldn't see as well as they could see just a short few hours before that. They didn't know when the next time they were going to experience freedom and liberty. But let me tell you something. The atmosphere did not change their worship. Uh, the atmosphere had drastically changed around them for the worst, but the atmosphere did not change their worship. See, I'm not really sure how this all went down, but I've always kind of envisioned it like this, that Paul looked over at Silas in the middle of that atmosphere that they were going through, and he said, Silas, now think about what they've been through. I think we ought to sing a song. And I don't know why I always pin this on Silas, but I can almost see Silas being like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Silas, I think we ought to sing a song. This ain't been a very good day. But you know what? Some of you young people ain't going to have a clue about this one. But some of you older ones will. And maybe my buddy Martiz, because he's rattled off a few gospel songs lately to me, that he might know this one. But I just kind of believe that Paul looked over at Silas and he said, I don't know why, but I feel like praising, praising Him. <laughs> Help me sing it. I feel like praising, praising Him. Anybody ever heard that? Well, praise Him in the morning. Praise Him all day long. I feel 
like praising, praising Him. Can I tell you something? That sometimes when your circumstances don't really feel too good, sometimes when you fall, oh, I feel my help right now. Sometimes when your atmosphere doesn't really feel like you think it should, when things in your life may not be exactly like you had planned they would turn out, I promise you, if you'll get to yourself and just begin to sing, well, devil, I feel like praising, praising Him. I feel like praising, praising Him. Praise Him in the morning. Praise Him all day long. Well, I feel like praising, praising Him. I can promise you, you won't have to sing it very long before your uh, singing will begin to turn into praise, before your praise will begin to turn into prayer, and before your prayer begins to change the atmosphere right where you're sitting. Because verse 26 right here said that while they were singing and praying, there was a shaking so great that shook that building that every single prisoner's chains fell off. I've got a public service announcement for the church tonight. We aren't seeing chains fall off the bound like we used to because we have replaced true worship with synthetic worship. Woo, hallelujah. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. We have replaced true worship with synthetic worship. What's that mean, Pastor? Synthetic worship is dependent on the atmosphere. But true worship changes the atmosphere. True worship sets captives free. True worship creates an atmosphere where the lost want to be saved. See, here's the problem with synthetic worship. Maybe some of you won't help me right here. But you can dwell in an atmosphere of synthetic worship and bound people stay bound and lost people stay lost and the lights might have been okay and the screen might have worked properly and the media presentation might have looked good the singers and the musicians might have been on point and the atmosphere might have been exactly what you thought it would but see that's the problem with synthetic worship because true worship and when true worship is in the house that's when you'll find the lost crying out hey what do I got to do to be saved that's where you'll find the bound crying out I'll have you know what I thought about this today you know what Paul said he said be not drunk with wine wherein is excess but be filled with the spirit I don't know why this come to me, but I was typing my sermon this afternoon. And listen, the way the Lord helped me with this, you wouldn't even know and you don't even need to know about my week. But the way the Lord helped me with this this afternoon, I know it was from God. And as I was typing, I thought true worship. Paul compared the spirit to drunkenness. The intoxication of the spirit to drunkenness. You know what a classic drunk does when he or she goes into a bar and they see somebody else that's having a really, really, really good time. They look at the bartender and they say, I'll have what he's having. <laughs> that may be funny, but true worship, whew, I feel the Lord. True worship going on up in the house. 
When lost people come in, when bound people come in, when sick people come in, when oppressed people come in, when depressed people come in, when suicidal people come in, when I, when sick people come in, they look up and they say, I'll have what he's having. I'll have what she's having. I'm telling you tonight, there's a world around us. If they could see some true worshipers, they would cry out, what do I got to do to have what they have oh hallelujah true worship changes the atmosphere the second thing the Lord spoke to me this afternoon true worship is not about my worth it's about his Luke chapter 7 verse 36 through 48 one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him so Jesus went to his home and he sat down to eat and when a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. I love that. Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I got something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver and to one, 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your house, mm, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet, but she has washed them with her tears, and she's wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she's not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she's anointing my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, though they are many, have been forgiven. So she's shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. See, we don't worship him because we're worthy. We worship Him because He's worthy. Yes. Pastor, I've had a bad week and I've made some mistakes. That's okay. Because His worth is never altered by your successes or your failures. He's still worthy. Pastor, I, I, everything's not going the way I, I thought it should. I, I'm not just not feeling like it tonight. That's okay. Because how you feel hasn't changed his worth one bit. He's still worthy of your praise. See, but by the same token, here's where it's going to get quiet. By the same token, even if we've had a good week, or even if we feel like we've been good, or we feel like we've done good, when we hinge our worship on that, then that's not true worship. Not at all. That's synthetic worship. And we must remember that true worship is what the Father is looking for. I wonder how many times 
Jesus has thought about us. See, because this is, he's got many houses. This is one of his houses. But it's his house that we occupy. So he kind of views it as our house of worship for him. He's supposed to always be welcomed. I wonder how many times he's thought, when I entered your house, you didn't offer me any water to wash my feet. When, uh, when I came in, you didn't give me a kiss. No, you couldn't, you couldn't lift your hands because it wasn't your song. You couldn't worship. See, see, there's a difference. You, you couldn't worship because of your atmosphere. You couldn't worship because of your circumstances. But from the time she first came in, she ain't stopped worshiping. I wonder how many times Jesus has thought, when I came in your house, you didn't worship me. See, the Father is looking for some true worshipers. Those who know their worship isn't based on their worth. It's based on His. Third thing, true worship, and we did have this in Bible study last night, and so now Abby's preached a little section of my sermon, and she didn't even know it. True worship is giving our all to God, holding nothing back. Let me say that again. True worship is giving our all to God, holding nothing back. Romans 12, 1 and 2. You've already heard it once. I'm going to read it again in the NLT. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He's done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice that He will find acceptable. This is what? This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy, oh, here we go, the, the behavior and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I want to share with you, um, uh, I have to give Skylar credit because before our Bible study last night, she shared a quote on social media yesterday that I didn't see, but Abby saw and mentioned it to me. I want to share this with you, and I want you to listen to what Vadi Bauckham said. Vadi Bauckham said, The modern church is producing passionate people with empty heads who love the Jesus they don't know very well. Let that sink in. The modern church is producing passionate people. They exhibit the passion. They're passionate about Jesus, but they've got empty heads, and they, they love Jesus. They're passionate about Him. They just don't know Him very well. Boy, that'll preach all in and of itself. True worship is giving everything you've got to God and holding nothing back for yourself. Did you hear me? Giving everything you've got to God and holding nothing back for yourself. True worship, here we go, is not living like the world and then coming into the house of God on Sundays or Wednesdays and lifting up unholy hands. Somebody help me this evening. That is synthetic worship. But true worship is presenting everything you have to Him as a living sacrifice. Do you know what a sacrifice is? Webster defines sacrifice as this. If you use it as a noun... Webster says sacrifice is an act of slaughtering an animal. Slaughtering. An act of slaughtering an animal or a person or surrendering a possession as an offering to God or to a divine supernatural figure 
Or if you use it as a verb, here's what Webster says it means. Offer or kill as a religious sacrifice. So when you look at that, and we talked about this at our Bible study last night, so I'm not going to be on it long tonight, but you wasn't there, so I'm going to share it with you. A living sacrifice is would seem to be one of the biggest oxymorons that you've ever heard. Because if sacrifice is the slaughtering or killing of something, how do you kill something but yet keep it alive? I'm glad you asked. Because what Paul was saying here is that the more you kill your flesh, the more alive your spirit man becomes. And the very act of killing your flesh in order to feed your spirit is one of the most truest and sincere acts of worship that you can ever offer to God. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm telling you what I'm saying. You cannot say, oh, I'm a passionate worshiper and I love to worship, but yet you want to intermingle and intertwine all of the things of the world without ever making any effort to kill them and to slaughter them and offer them as a sacrifice to God. That's not a living sacrifice. That's something you're calling living that's deader than dead. Did you hear me? What God's looking for is for you to kill your flesh so that you can feed your spirit man back to life. And when you do that, that's the most sincere and truest act of worship you can offer to God. True worship is giving your all to God and holding nothing back. The fourth thing I'm going to share and then I'm done. True worship cannot be silenced by your circumstances. True worship cannot be silenced by your circumstances. I'm going to read 22 verses very quickly. Out of the book of Job. Verse 1. There was once a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and he stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. And all the parents said, God bless him. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. In today's world, that would have been more like he had a Maserati, a Lamborghini, a Porsche, a Jaguar, you know, all that stuff. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. Job's sons would take turns preparing feasts in their homes, and they would also invite their three sisters to celebrate with them. And when these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job would purify his children. He would... The King James said he would sanctify his children. Can I tell you something? If you want to do something for God, he will sanctify you before he sends you. He will sanctify you before he sends you to do it. Moving on, he would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. He gave a sacrifice. For Job said to himself, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. And one day... The members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord. And the accuser, Satan, came with them. Anybody know that old accuser? The accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. And then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He's the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God, and he stays away from evil. Satan replied to the Lord, yes, Job has a good reason to fear God. You've always put a wall of protection around him in his home. 
in his property. You've made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out, Satan said. Take away everything he has, and he'll surely curse you to your face. All right, the Lord said. You think so? You may test him. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. I'm going to get some of my guys to help me. One day, Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house. I want you all to stay with me in that scripture because I'm going to step down here. One day, they said a messenger arrived. Yeah, you can go on. A messenger arrived at Job's door with the news. Come on up here, Martiz. That messenger came. He said, your oxen were plowing with the donkeys, feeding beside them. When the Sabians raided us, they stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another messenger, come up here, Brennan, arrived with the news. Come on this side. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds, and I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, go on to the next verse, a third messenger arrived with these news. Come on, come up here, Jalen. Stand behind me. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. And I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another messenger, come on up here, Micah, arrived with this news. Stand right here in front of me, please. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. Yeah, I picked the wrong one. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed, he said, and all your children are dead. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Job stood up. I want you to get a picture of this. Job stood up and he tore his robe in grief because sometimes the people of God will grieve. Then he said he shaved his head and he fell to the ground. And what did he do? He began to worship. God gave me a picture of that. This afternoon, let me tell you though what he said first. He said, I came naked from my mama's womb. In other words, I didn't have anything when I came here. And I'm not going to have anything when I leave here. The Lord's given me everything I've had and the Lord's taken it away. But guess what? Praise the name of the Lord. That's what Job said. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. You know, I'm using these football players because God gave me a vision this afternoon. Stand here behind me, Jalen. God gave me a vision this afternoon. When I read this, the first messenger came and told him what had happened with his, with his oxen and his cattle. The second messenger came and told him what happened with his servants. The third messenger came and told him what happened with, with some other things. And the fourth messenger came and now all your family is gone. You know what I could see in my mind's eye? What I could see in the spirit? I could see Job being like looking around at everything that was around him, all of his circumstances. And some way, somehow, he found within his heart to say, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. I came to tell somebody tonight, on the darkest days of your life, when you feel like all hell has surrounded you, and you can't see over it, you can't see behind it, and you can't see around it, it may look like you're surrounded, but if you worship, if you if you worship, you'll find that you're surrounded by the Most High God. Thank you, guys. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. True worship can't be silenced by our circumstances. Synthetic worship can. Did you hear me? Synthetic worship can. But true worship is always alive on the inside of us, even on the worst days of our lives. I want to ask Nicholas to come. All of them that are going to do music can come. As he begins to play, I want to share something with you. As your pastor, I've got to be transparent. I know I use that word a lot, but it's just me. It's just who I am. And on Monday night, <clears throat> Angie and I had gone to John and Janelle Martin's house pray for Janelle, who by the way, keep praying for a speedy recovery. Thank the Lord God was with her and her surgery went well today. We were there to pray for her. Before we'd even prayed, my phone rang. It was Phyllis White and she was frantic. I had already spoken with them on Monday. He was no worse, but he was no better. Angie and I left prayed for Janelle really quickly and we left we made it to their driveway while they were still working on him in the ambulance I had to Angie had to drive Phyllis to the hospital and I had to lock their house up and move some vehicles around to get my truck out and I did all that really really quickly prayed all the way to the hospital when I got there walked into the ER check in and the doctor was standing there and he said, are you pastor? And I said, yes. He said, scan his temperature, don't do anything else, come with me. So I went with him and he said, we're going straight back here. And I thought we were going to the back where the ER is. We passed it up. We were heading down the hallway. I said, where are we going? He said, we're going to the chapel where Angie and Phyllis are. Well, he didn't say Angie. He said, we're your wife and Miss White. And I said, is it really bad? He looked at me and he said, Pastor, he was gone when he got here. There was nothing we could do. My heart sank within me. And on that walk back to that chapel, I thought, God, this was not the way it was supposed to be. And immediately, in my mind, I thought, mm-hmm. You're going to preach on worship Wednesday night. And I thought, no, I'm not. i got three student pastors. We're doing a four-week series. One of them can do Wednesday night, and I'll do it later. We went back into that room, and, of course, we gave, we were there when they gave her the news. Friends came, and different things transpired through the evening. And then it was time for her to be able to go back. If I've ever had the Lord teach me a lesson of course she is shattered heartbroken beyond belief but as we walked back toward that room we got to the door and she stopped she didn't say this but I knew she was thinking I don't know if I can go in 
Angie was on one side of her and I was on the other. And I leaned into her and I said, God, help me. Because you know, there's just times that sometimes there's just not much to say. God, help me. And I leaned in and I said, Phyllis, I don't know how to say this to you except before you walk into that room, if you can just get a revelation of what Paul said. That if this earthly house of our tabernacle shall be dissolved, when this earthly house and this tabernacle has gone away, I have a building not made by hands, eternal in the heavens. If you can just get a glimpse of what Paul said, to be absent from this body is to be present from the Lord. If you can just allow the Lord to give you a revelation of those two things, I promise you when you walk in this room, the Holy Spirit's going to help you realize The one whom your soul loves is not there. It's just his tabernacle. And he's already in the presence of the Lord. And she leaned back on my shoulder. And she cried for a minute. And then she said, okay, let's go. And we walked in that room. This is why I'm preaching to you tonight. I ain't going to lie and act like that there's any other reason. This is why if I had to go home and write a sermon in less than two hours, which was record time for me, this is why I'm preaching this word tonight because I knew I had to because we walked in that room and we got her a chair and we set it down beside Ray at the bed. And, of course, she took his hand and she grieved and she rubbed his forehead and she grieved for a moment. And Angie and I knelt down on the floor right beside her on our knees. And all of a sudden, you know what she did? She leaned back in that chair and she lifted both of her hands and she said, God, I praise you for 21 years of marriage. God, I praise you that you blessed us with our children. God, I worship you because you're still good. God, I thank you for every prayer for five minutes. She worshiped and prayed. God, I thank you for every prayer that you've answered for us through this. God, I thank you that you're still worthy. You're still God. You're still good. And God, I don't know how I'm going to face tomorrow, but I thank you that I know you're going to face it with me. And for five minutes, she worshiped. And me and Angie on our knees in the floor just said, there and wept and I thought that is what true worship is that is what true worship is all about when you can go through the darkest days of your life when you can feel like you've stood up and all of a sudden hell is all the way around you but yet you can still worship a God who is sovereign who is omniscient who is omnipresent who is on the throne who said I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. No matter what you go through, when you can worship in the midst of that, then you'll know what true worship really is. I want you to stand with me all over this room tonight. That's true worship. I said that's true worship. So whether you're comfortable or not, I'm going to ask you right now. Can I find some true worshipers in this house tonight? I said, can I find some true worshipers in this house tonight? Young and old, rich and poor, doesn't matter who you are or where you came from. 
In 1 Timothy 2 and 8, Paul said, In every place of worship, I want men to praise with holy hands lifted up to God. I wonder if I could get some people in this room tonight to just begin to lift their hands and just worship the Lord. Will anybody do that with me? Are there any true worshipers in the house? Just lift your hands and begin to worship the Lord. Come on, if you're a true worshiper, lift your hands and just begin to worship the Lord. The psalmist said, Oh, that men would praise Him. Can I get anybody in the house tonight? to praise him in another passage the psalmist said oh magnify the Lord with me let us exalt his name together in another passage shout unto God all you people worship him worship him the father is seeking such to worship him in spirit and in truth come on church come on right now just about five people before you all sing just worship before you sing just worship just lift your hands all over this room oh God we worship you Father we worship you we worship you not because we're worthy not because everything is perfect not because everything's gone the way we wanted it to but God we worship you because you're worthy we worship you because our worship changes the atmosphere. We worship you because our worship is not dictated by our circumstances. We worship you not because we're worthy, but because you're worthy. We worship you. We worship you. John 4, 23 and 24. But the time is coming. Our main text tonight. But the time is coming. Indeed, church, it's here right now. The time is right now. The time is right now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. I want to ask you if you will tonight. They're going to sing. I want to ask you if you will to slip on a mask. Everybody that will. And let's be true worshipers tonight. Find a place and fill this altar. Or find a place there and fill it. And let's lift our hands. And let's worship Him in spirit and in truth. Because you know what? Somebody says there may be. Come on up. Go ahead. Keep moving. Somebody says there may be somebody here tonight that's lost. That's all right. Because when true worship fills the house, they'll be saying, what do I got to do? They'll be saying, I want what they've got. So just come on and slip on a mask and fill this altar and let's worship.